you can see with Hardwell and all those artists, Martin Garrix and Blau, they're doing a lot of stuff of their own. They're reaching out to the creators, to the right people. They're hustling like, like Gary Vee, like they're hustling all the time. They're tweeting themselves to the right people. Yeah, they, they control their life. And if a lot of uh, producers were, were just, they think they have a release and they will can build a career on that, but that's like nothing, you know, like it, it's just the beginning, you know, like, so that's my number one tip is like really like, you know, take control of your, of your own life. Hello and welcome to the EDM podcast, a show where I, Sam Matler, interview uh, artists, producers, and people in the industry. And today is an industry interview. It's with someone called Sebastian Lintz. Uh, and if you don't know who he is, then you're in for a treat. I'm going to tell you who he is in a moment. But before that, I just want to say a big thank you. You know, we're coming up to uh, the end of the year. The date today is the 22nd. Uh, and this year has been an absolute blast. Last year in August, I, I started the podcast with no idea uh, in mind of where it would go, how big it would get. And it's thanks to your support and, and you listening consistently that it's got to this stage. Uh, and, and we've had a bunch of great guests on, great conversations. So whether you've been listening for a couple of weeks, maybe this is even the first episode you're ever listening to, uh, or maybe you've been there from the start, thank you. And I mean that sincerely. Uh, it helps immensely and, and it means a lot to me. And also, Merry Christmas, uh, if you're listening to this when it goes live. This won't be going up on Christmas Day, but it's, it's close enough. So I hope you have a great Christmas if you celebrate that, and also a Happy New Year. Anyway, Sebastian Lintz, who is he? He is the label manager at Revealed Recording. He also spearheads digital strategy at Sorted Management. Sorted Management is responsible for quite a few artists, uh, many of whom you'll know, Conroe Hardwell, Julian Kalor, uh, and Mance, to name a few. And he's worked on what would be called industry-defining projects. So he was the first to uh, stream a dance event in 360 degrees, the first to develop a Facebook Messenger bot for a musician. And he's also working on implementing blockchain technology, which we talk about uh, into music releases to kind of speed up the payment process for artists and just uh, make things a little bit more fluid and, and transparent. So we do talk about those industry defining projects, but we talk about a bunch more as well. We start by talking about how to stay ahead of the curve. How does revealed recordings and, and sort of management, how do they stay ahead of the curve in terms of, of social media uh, and just the industry as a whole? We talk about how labels will need to adapt over the coming years to simply survive uh, and also thrive. Trends in the music industry and also consumer trends. Uh, Sebastian is very passionate about technology, as you'll find out. We talk about Beatport uh, and the mistake they made and whether they have a future or not. We talk about blockchain technology, which I just mentioned, uh, and it's very, very interesting. So make sure you listen out to that. That's in the middle of the interview. We also talk about how to get your music uh, or your demos listened to by labels, by you know YouTube channels. And this is one of the questions that you wanted me to ask Sebastian. So make sure you, you listen to this. He gives a great answer, a very long one too. He spends probably 15 minutes answering it. So great advice. And to end, we talk about social media, specifically what not to do on social media, uh, because quite a few of you are making mistakes, I guarantee it. So it's a fantastic interview. It is long, uh, but there is a wealth of information in here. I'm telling you, 
you're going to want to take notes. You're going to want to come back to this, download it, play it in your car while you're commuting. Just extract as much information as you can uh, from this episode. If you enjoy the interview, make sure to uh, leave a rating or review on iTunes. You can do that at edmprod.com slash iTunes. That is edmprod.com slash iTunes. Without further ado, here is Sebastian Lutz. This episode is brought to you by EDM Foundations. EDM Foundations is my course for new producers, those who've been producing for under 12 months or even those who've just started. The whole idea of the EDM Foundations course is that you learn the fundamentals of music production by actually doing and not just learning the theoretical stuff. The course consists of over 12 hours worth of streamable video where I walk you through the creation of three songs and give you advice and tips for working on your own original alongside them. We've had over 500 people sign up for this course. Many of them have had great results. If you want to learn more about the course, head over to edmfoundations.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the EDM podcast. Today, I'm joined by Sebastian Lintz. Sebastian, is that how you pronounce it? Yes, it's, it's uh, Sebastian Lintz. So it's on French. I'm a 50% French guy and 50% Dutch guy. So. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, for those who don't know you well, or for those who don't know you at all, what do you currently do and how did you get there? Tell us a bit about your background. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, currently I'm a, an artist, uh, manager, uh, digital director at Sorted Management. Um, I take care of all the digital strategies uh, for our artists, uh, such as Hardwell, Conroe, Harris, uh, and, and a lot of other talents uh, as well. Um, I'm also doing. Um, I'm also the label manager. I'm running the label Revealed Recordings, which is Hardwell, Hardwell's label. So I have actually two jobs. Um, I started as a producer when I was 12. Um, it's like ages ago. <laughs> and, uh, and I, I joined the label Gluck forum, like the famous forum. Um, everyone was on there like, uh, Afrojack, uh, Steve Angelo, uh, Barbie Moore, uh, like all the big guys, bingo players, everyone. And then, um, <clears throat> when I was, my brother-in-law actually was a DJ. So he introduced me to label Gluck and the forum when I was 14 or 15 and then, um, yeah, started, um, um, talking about the music and about the label Gluck. And then, um, I started playing, uh, mu- uh music on uh, CDJs, uh, at the time already, like the thousands MK one, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, and everyone was talking about production and Barbie Moore was posting snippets and Afrojack. And uh, so I was like, hey, how do you guys do this? And then like, yeah, FL Studio. And I was chatting with Afrojack through uh, Soulseek. It's like a legally like Napster kind yeah, of software, yeah. but it used to be like great for chat rooms. You're like, it's like an ESRC chat rooms and you can chat with everyone. And we had like a label Luke chat room. So I was talking with all these guys and then they were introducing me to the software, uh, Fritty Loops at the time. And then I started producing music. Then I released my first song when I was 17 or 18, I think, on uh, Spinning Records. I did a few tracks uh, there with uh, Tommy Trash as well, and a few solo tracks. Then I was releasing music on on Hardwell's label Revit Recordings. Uh, I'm actually the 15th release. And 
not many people realize this because like it's it's ages ago like we are now at like uh, revealed number 294 and i was and i was the 15th uh yeah so that's how i started and then uh four years ago i um yeah i i I had this doubt in my life like okay what i want to do do i want to keep continuing as a producer and at that time i already tried for two years to break through the noise and um you know, try to have a, a great track and a lot of gigs, but didn't really happen. Um, and I was studying also in, in music. Um, and so I, I want to work like in the music industry and then and there was a, a vacancy uh, or a job uh, opportunity at Cloud9. And then I started there from really from the bottom, like I was doing uh, data entries for six weeks through the whole summer uh, because Cloud9, yeah, they, they, they bought like 10,000 masters like yeah and they and then i had to put it all in, in like in database and then at that time they're already uh, managing uh, they were doing the distribution of revealed recordings and then um yeah i actually helped the label uh, at that time already so that's like four years ago four years ago and then i switched to the uh creative part creative side and at the management because i got like a job offer from a different label and i said oh, well actually i want to work with you guys not with this label so and then they yeah they took me under their wings and then i learned a lot of uh, stuff about the industry because it was such a small team and it was also management mm-hmm. not only label so i actually learned yeah learned a lot in the past three and a half years um yeah looks yeah it sounds like really short but it feels like ages like 10 yeah, years you know yeah. like but that's what is happening in this industry. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff happening in just a short amount of time. So but that's what I'm doing now, and I'm now focusing on revealed a lot and about digital strategies uh, at sorted management, trying to um, you know come up with new things um, because everyone is uh, like social media is obviously really important, but there's like tons of other projects uh, that you can do, and um, you know with a, an artist such as Hardwell, you have to be on top of your game you have to be you know be the first in everything so i you know, always try to think of the next big thing and, uh, and this year actually we did a the 360 live stream in miami which was uh, we were actually the, the first uh, artist doing that or concert because only like mtv mr world it was like a big debate uh, we're doing it and we were actually the first artists who did a concert in 360 live stream so a lot of people were confused like What's new with 360? Like everyone's doing it already, but we were actually the first one doing a live stream. And one month later, Google announced it with uh, Coachella. They did a live stream, so we we're actually doing it on our own, like all the hosting stuff and all the technology technology with a few partners. And the year before that in Miami, we were first one. We're doing a 360, uh, yeah, like after movie. Um, we were like, okay, what can we do next? What's the, you know, uh, everyone is doing after movies in 2D, like normal. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> video, yeah, and I was like, you know, we, we, we already did it, we already did it like a few times, you know, what can we do next? And then uh, <clears throat> we did the 360 uh, thing. And obviously uh, at that time it was new, uh, YouTube didn't even support it uh, on, their, uh, yeah, on their website. And one month, late, one month uh, later <clears throat> they announced it, so we uploaded it to YouTube as well. Um, but it's, you know, it's better to see it on a VR headset, obviously, but yeah, it was a cool yeah. thing to do because people were picking up the phone and were going crazy, like, oh, well, how is this working? 
and it feels like like 10 years ago, 10 years ago but it's only like what is it, like two years ago like they introduced <laughs> 360 and now facebook yeah, yeah. announced like two days ago like 360 live stream on facebook so yeah that's oh, wow. cool to see you you know like every time we, when we do something we're we are um we are one of the first and you can Head always like yeah out of the curve and you can see it it will actually people are going to use later one year later six months later uh, same in uh, april we did a, a facebook facebook bot we were the first one first artist who did a <coughs> where the facebook messenger bot mm-hmm. and, um, and then months later like i think a few weeks ago like seppin and Gosser announced it labor Luke announced it and then but we're already working on other stuff so um, by the time they catch up, we're already working on, on the next big thing. So it's you know really cool to see uh, other people are, are following our path. I think um, that's the great thing I'm doing. I'm always because there's so like a lot of technology. You know, like mm. each week we have like we get ten emails and decks with new startups, and new apps. It's yeah, yeah. Rather annoying. It's rather annoying, but you have to to select the best idea. So, so sorry to interrupt. Is that is that how you stay ahead of the curve then? Because I'm curious, like, what makes you first, as opposed to to these other teams and other people? First, you have to see, okay, what's the make macro uh, trend? What's the big trend in in life? You know, I'm not talking about music, but about technology and life. Like, what is what are people doing? Are they uh, are they still uh, listening to radio? Or uh, what kind of apps are they using? What are what, what's the uh, trend in the past two years? You know what's what's coming next. Also on technology, of of, of course, you have like uh, faster internet, more reliable internet. Um, so that that's really important because if those if you can see those changes, then you can ask yourself, okay, um, this is happening right now, and this will blow up in three years or five five years. What can I what can I do? To support this and to be, to yeah to be the one of the first who can see this coming, uh, and then uh, you have the smaller trends uh, like uh, Facebook announced it. Uh, on, they have like a F8 conference, and then if you actually watch it <laughs> from the beginning to the end, then you can see the the bigger companies already predicting some trends and you know, some stats. And uh, for for example, the Facebook bot was really example of. Oh, Facebook make it poss- made it possible because they they released the API and the technology. So, but the the, the bigger trend is um, that uh, consumers are more tending to to communicate more on personal level with brands and and companies, uh, like more one on one conversation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's going to be more instead of like CRM, it's going to be more PRM, like personal re- relation management. Yeah, yeah. So. So I, I saw that coming already, like for for a few months and years, um, and I'm also going to all the conferences, like NextWeb and that kind of stuff. And and then most of the time they speak about those kind of trends because they have like Google and Amazon, uh, you know, Uber. They they're talking about that. So that was the more the trend, like okay, it's gonna be more one-on-one conversation. And then I was like, okay, what can we do? And then uh, Facebook were announcing the the bot, which was you know a good move. And then. I was like, okay, how fast can we make this <laughs> to be the first one? So then I have to lead the whole project, make budget, uh, make sure, okay, what, what kind of features are we uh, going to, to do it? Then we have to talk with the artists, uh, of course. Like, okay, how can, uh, what do you think about it? And how can you, you use it? And how can we use it with, with your, uh, your fans? And uh, yeah, so I, I think you have to 
zoom out a little bit first mm-hmm. and, then, and see what's coming. And then you have to zoom in on, on the smaller uh, trends. And then you have to follow the big, the big, big guys like Facebooks, uh, Googles, mm. because they have to, they're already like predicting the future because they, you know, they, they need to, to, to do that because they need the, all the parties to be involved, all, all engineers and, they, and their stockholders and whatever, you know, so they, they're already uh, releasing some information about that. So I think it's smart to, uh, to look at those bigger, bigger ones and then you know, make your own story. Like, what can I use of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's, that's why I think we are always ahead of the curve because we're uh, really investigating like what can we use? And also, <clears throat> obviously, we have good contact with the Facebooks and Googles, uh, Twitter. So if they have a new feature that they, they, they want to uh, yeah, launch it or test it with a, with a bigger artist because they will create more traction. Mm. And it's a win-win situation for everyone because they they have a bigger reach and, and they will use our name and then we can test it as first and we can show, we can engage better with fans. You see this trend and you're like, we have to do something here. Has there been any times where you've done that and it's failed? Uh, it hasn't worked? One year ago, uh, it was an app backed by a scooter. Um, you know, the, the, man, the yeah, yeah, yeah. It's part of the manager team of Martin Garrix. And um, they, they, they were like, okay, so the bigger trend is um, artists want to own data, mm-hmm. you know, and you have Facebook and, and artists are using Facebook and Twitter, but you don't get your data. Um, they're using your data to sell to uh, advertisers um, because you bring the f- fans in, in, in the software. Mm. And then they were like a startup and they created this app. Um, and then their idea was we bring, we, we sign every big artist, like Ariana Grande, Hardwell, and then we bring everyone in one app. We create exclusive content and et cetera. And then you get all the data. You get you get you know you can own it. You can, communi- you can communicate with your fans. And I was like, yeah, well, this is you know this can work because we can, we can we create value because it's exclusive and all the biggest art- artists are in there. Mm. But it really didn't work. So it was a big big fail. And what I learned from that was um, people only use a few apps, yeah, you know, like WhatsApp, yeah. Messenger, Twitter. They're not willing to use another app only for music. Uh, obviously right. there are some there are some big big apps like musically but it's like different audience you know the audience like the like 18 plus they're not going to switch to only one one app for only to communicate with their artists you know they want to be there where the friends are so they can also communicate with their friends so you know that wasn't enough and it didn't it's, i don't think it's working um but I, I was but i was expecting like okay i think it can work because it's our, they're our, our friends and so we can lead them to the app. But, you know, in, in a practical sense, you know, they own, people, fans are only using a few apps and you have to be there where, you have to be there where the fans are. So that's why we, we choose to work with Messenger because they have 1.1 billion uh, people in there. And that's, yeah. So it's too hard to, you know, there are a lot of people, artists uh, launching their own app, iPhone app. But it's like for such a small group of people, it's a shame, you know. Like you have like ten thousand people with Messenger, we can we have like five hundred thousand people. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And I think it's great to service your core audience, but I think you have to, to think a little bit bigger and uh, yeah, to be there where the fans are and not to force them in in one app. 
So this was that was like the biggest. Okay, you know, like okay, uh, we have to be careful in the future. Like, mm. d- don't you know, don't be too confident about your that you can move all your fans in one app because the, I don't think that will work. Um, the end. Yeah, there, there have been a few um, a few startups trying to solve that. It's not really a problem, but a few years ago when Facebook was capping the reach for for Facebook pages, you know, people were reaching ten percent of their fans. I remember at least two companies popped up saying that they were the new social media platform for musicians, for artists, and uh, they never took off. Yeah, oh my God, yeah. And I got, like, every week I still get, uh, like, a deck of, of startup, like, we are combining all the social media networks in one app, <laughs> but, but there's a reason why they're separate apps. You know, there's no, people are not interested in one big app where everything comes together because they want to use Snapchat separately because that worked best that way. So, you know, it's not going, it's not going to work. And the whole algorithm stuff, um, obviously people are getting mad and stuff, um, about that, but you have to think about Facebook perspective. You know, they, all they want is uh, the users need to be as long as possible in their surrounding, in their app and on their Facebook. And if they don't make it interesting, then people will leave. So what they did was actually to come up with algorithms. So it's actually more interesting for users to keep on to to stay on Facebook. Um, so they make more money, but also they make the, the website better because if they didn't do that, then Facebook wouldn't exist today, I think. So, and then people are complaining, but they're not, they're complaining, but they're not thinking, okay, how can I uh, work around this? I maybe it's my content. It's not great enough. Maybe it's my content is not interesting enough for my fans. So I think Facebook just helping the artists to think of better content content. Uh, because if you create better content, you will reach more people because it's more interesting for, for your fans. So people, so artists especially have to think, okay, um, it, you know, Facebook is annoying. They're, they're cutting down my reach, etc. But maybe that's not the problem. Maybe it's maybe you is maybe you are the problem. So I think mm-hmm. it's actually a good thing, and it's quite normal because like there's so many uh, artists on Facebook, and they're posting so so much stuff, and there's only so a few space in your on your timeline, you know. And if you're only seeing spam and like out now post and people will leave um, Facebook. So I think it's a, it's a good decision by Facebook. Um, yeah. What are some of the trends you think will happen over the next five, 10 years maybe? Okay, so on what, what level are you talking about? Music industry or yeah, consumer or? Well, both, both. But let's start with the music industry. Okay. <clears throat> so music, <clears throat> music industry, um, that's really interesting uh, what's happening right now. Uh, I don't think many labels are aware of this, uh, but the technology is going so so fast right now and so easy to get your music on, on let's say, Spotify. Um, you know, with just $10 a year, you can have one track on, on, on Spotify to, uh, through TuneCore. Mm. And there are a lot of other platforms uh, which you can use. To, to upload your music to uh, to all these DSPs. So, you know, what, what you see is right now, like a lot of people, artists are starting their own label. They're not really starting a label, but they're doing their own distribution. And I think the technology is now here that it's so cheap to, to do your own distribution that some labels are getting really in trouble in the next mm-hmm. uh, few years because they're not um, seeing this. And they are too 
arrogant or too confident that um, artists still need labels. Um, yeah, yeah. So what you will see is like the, the old school labels that their strength was distribution and, and, and marketing. And, you know, for example, they make sure your CD is in, in the store, the front row, you know, or mm. there are gas stations or, you know what I mean? Like they're, they're on each web store, but that's not happen. That's not, you don't need that anymore. You know, like there's no CD there. There's, there's a lot of CDs in Germany and Holland, but it's not a trend, you know, like it's not going up or it's only going down. Uh, same with downloads. So the, so the technology is now so cheap, you know, it's only $10 uh, a year for one track or with different other, with other platforms, it's even cheaper. The distribution is not the problem anymore. Mm. So you see like a lot of artists are doing their own uh, distribution. They don't need labels anymore. So, and a lot of labels are ignoring this, this uh, thing. They're not uh, thinking about, okay, this is the trend right now. Uh, why do artists still need me as a label? Um, and I think that the labels, um, which are not investing in brand, uh, in branding, uh, in marketing, in come up with uh, new um, ideas to help the artists, I think they will have like a lot of problems in the upcoming two years. Um, and you know, like uh, the labels were not um, like, for instance, with revealed, we are really investing in branding and like uh, MTV, you know, like who's watching MTV anymore, but because they invested so much money and because the brand was so big, they could just move to other platforms. So that's why they're still relevant on Snapchat and, and the MTV Emma's and they have content because all the artists keep, uh, keep coming back because the brand is so solid. So we've revealed with the same, uh, same opportunity to build the, the brand stronger. We have revealed events. Uh, we have merchandise, we have the, the releases, we have the playlists on Spotify. Um, so I think if you are a label and you're not investing in, 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 in branding your label and come up with other stuff to help your artists, then you'll be really in problem. Then people don't need you anymore because it's so easy to upload, upload your track to, um, to Spotify. And you talked with Austin Kramer before. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you've probably told about this form. You know, if you want to pitch a track to Spotify, then it's so easy. It's just a Google Doc. And probably there are a lot of labels out there using the same Google Doc. So, you know what I mean? Like, that's crazy. So I think those labels will be like, uh, we really, they have to be careful. They have to invest in, uh, in branding and creative uh, stuff like video content, live streams, uh, events, merchandise. Um, to make sure um, they can help artists and build artists with their brand. And so for, and for artists, this is a really interesting time because there's a lot of competition in the streaming market. Like Pandora just uh, uh, launched their uh, radio uh, platform as well. Mm -hmm. um, so they're actually fighting for content uh, like the Spotify's and Apple Music and the Beatports and it used to be really hard to get like a banner on Beatport. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But now if you just send like one email, then you get a banner because they're happy. Your <laughs> uh, social support them. They will, you will tweet it or, you know what I mean? Like, and, and DSPs, like Spotify, they're, they're really, in, really helpful. If you are investing your marketing budget or your time or your social media to promote their link, then they're willing to give you better play, place or better playlist um, spots or banners, whatever. 
Um, so it's an interesting time for artists. So artists get more, you know, competition is healthy. So they, they get more opportunity to have more exposure. Um, also with YouTube, uh, of course, um, you know, like Trap Nation, they're growing, I think, like 2 million subscribers a month. Wow. Um, it's, it's so easy now to pitch your track to, to big YouTube channels. And it's so easy to reach uh, a big audience without... Uh, investing one euro, you know, you can, you can, you can download the software, you can download demos, you can get free sample packs, you can watch free tutorials, you can, and now you can actually, um, yeah, doing your own marketing and pitching because, because of the technology and, you know, it's so easy. So, so for, for the artist side, it's, it's interesting times, but the other, the dark side of this is there's a lot of content as well. So there's more competition. You have to be more creative. You have to be. You have to work harder as an artist. You know, uh, if you have the music, that's great. But you have to also. You also have to make sure people will hear it. And um, I really believe good music will stand out on its own. But there's a lot of people who are uh, just reading their songs. So there's more good music. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. Uh, there's more competition on that as well. So technology makes it easy to upload, but there will be more content. So. Uh, you have to, um, yeah, to work harder as an artist as well, to make sure people will hear your music through playlists or uh, YouTube channels. So you have to reach out to them on your own. You know, you don't don't be lazy. So for everyone, there's an opportunity and there's an other side of the story. But um, yeah, I think you're if you're ahead of the trend, then you'll be fine. You know, you just have to use the technology and you have to be on top of things. And then, uh, then you'll be fine. So that's like a few trends for artists, labels, uh, and for consumers. Th- there's, uh, for especially for in the music industry, there's like, it's it's getting really interesting. Um, consumers, uh, I don't have to tell you this, but like more and more people are getting a Sonos in the house, or they have an uh, Amazon uh, Echo, or they have a Google Home, or they have a uh, you know, like an, another Bluetooth speaker. Um, the, the the device is getting so cheap right now. Like everyone is having a Bluetooth speaker or a wireless speaker at home, and all these devices are now connected to Spotify. So the the, the trend is more and more people will consume music, and they there are like a lot of tre- uh, trend reports out there. And they're expecting it will grow like six times, seven times in five in only five years. Wow! wow. Because yeah, because people will consume more music because they have the device. Uh, like, for example, my parents, they have, uh, they're 50 years old or something, and they have, uh, I bought them Sonos for their house, so they have wireless speakers, and they now have an iPhone. So my parents, they're 50 plus, and they have Sonos and iPhone, and these are new consumers for the streaming market. Yeah, they used to, yeah. of course, they used to buy CDs, but, but the trend, is they're consuming more music because it's easier to get access to music. So first they were listening to one CD, but now they're listening to the radio, to playlists, and so they're consuming more music. So people are, will consume more music. Maybe they will watch less TV, or they will read less, or they will do less eating. I don't know, but that for yeah, but they're consuming more uh, music um, because the devices are getting cheaper and cheaper, and the the music. It will be super easy to access all the uh, to, to access all the music in the world, um, and same with um, 
broadband connection. Uh, you know, everyone has a uh, uh, fast internet on their phone, so you can. It's easier to listen to music without buffering and stuff. So and people are listening more to music in the car when they're uh, going out or the gym or when they're traveling. Um, you know, there's a reason why Netflix announced the download option, you know, because they, they yeah. want to have more consumption in their app. So they're not going to Amazon video or to the competition. So, yeah, so that's really interesting uh, for an you know, interesting time for everyone, actually. Um, if you are a technology company or if you're in the music industry uh, or if you're in a video industry, people will consume more videos. If you're a cable network guy and you don't invest in online uh, content <laughs> but they're, they're already everyone is doing it like they're, yeah. they're not crazy you know they have uh, firecom has a lot of they own a lot of uh, like warner and stuff yeah. they're already ahead of the curve um so i think people will watch less traditional tv but will just move to the, the apple tv apps and facebook mm. content snapchat uh, but the, the the trend is people will consume more content so i think that's good for everyone in the entertainment industry. Um, so that's that's more consumer trend uh, and technology trend. And um, and I saw, yeah, and the future will be for music consumption uh, because of all the devices like Amazon Echo and Google Home, people will not use their hands anymore or, you know, they will not use their computers anymore to play music. They will just talk to the, to the, to the device. I can't say the name, Right now, because I have one in my house, so if I say it, then we'll, we'll actually activate. <laughs> so, so I'm watching the the Amazon Echo right now. So I can't say her, her name, but I can. But I can. That it's Spotify is integrated, so I can just say play the new uh, Hardwell song, or you know play the new play the rock uh, rock and roll playlist on Spotify, and then we'll just connect. So that's that's a trend you will see more and more, and then in 2000. I'm a little bit crazy about this, so if I'm talking too much. No, it's good, man. It's fascinating. And then, and then 2030, 2025, you have more, you know, these devices will be implement, implemented in your brains or in your body. Uh, you, you will have singularity and stuff. You know, you don't have to think about it anymore. So if yeah. you're, well, you have to think about it, but you don't have to use it uh, anymore. So if you're thinking about music, then we'll just play music in your head or something. And now it sounds crazy, but you know, a lot of stuff can happen in 10 years. Like Facebook was nowhere 10 years ago, Snapchat and whatever, Spotify. So, you know, any idea is not too crazy for the future. And I, I'm a really big fan of technology. I have like Philips Hue in my house. I have Echo Nest, Echo Protect, I have the Amazon. And I'm at this point, I'm coming home and the Nest will warm up or my, uh, you know, like will be warm in my house already. The lights will go on and the sonos will play if I if I want that. If I wake up, you know everything will a routine will be activated. I also have some um, some light sensors from the Philips Hue. So when I walking towards the bathroom, the lights will automatically go on. Um, that's like an old school trick, but it's also connected to the internet. So uh, and I don't have to think about it turning my lights on or off. So that's something really uh, weird. You know what I mean? Like. You don't have to think about devices anymore. And I think that will be the biggest trend in the next 10 years. And I think also in the music industry, you don't have to think about clicking on, a, on, a, on an album or go following a playlist. You can just think about it or saying it, and then, then it will be fine. You know? And but the good thing is, I don't think music will disappear 
like never. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just the way how you activate or how you play the music will change. Um, and of course, you have to be on top of that, but that's why Amazon has now a music software integrated and Google Home have Google Play because they're already seeing this um, coming mm-hmm. for the years. That's why they build their, their uh, DSP, their platform to, to have music. That's why they have Google Red or what is YouTube Red and Google Play. So they have this already in place. So they don't, they're not depending on Amazon or Spotify. Um, so people are not really thinking about this, but you, you can already see it, see it coming uh, if you pay attention to the, the big uh, technology uh, uh, yeah, companies. That's crazy. I think the most amazing thing about this is that it it appeals to or it affects all age groups. You know, you said your parents, they're 50, like they're benefiting from this. It's not it's not like Snapchat where most of the users are going to be 16 years old to, to 25. Um, it's all over, you know, 70 years old, 80 yeah, years it's old. Yeah, like you're, if you're, yeah, it's going to shift, you know, like like 70 years old, 80, it's too hard for them right now. But the, the 50, like my parents, they will get 70 at one point in 20 years. And then they know how, how sonos work. So in 20 years or 30 years, everyone knows how everything works. So you don't have any limitations anymore. Uh, everyone from, you know, like you're saying, if you're four years old till you're eight, 80 years old, everyone knows how to use Sonos. Uh, so that's like a huge untapped potential market of 30 years left of musical consumption. So that's, that's what's coming. That's why the, f- the five times, six times yeah, and where it's coming from. And my nephew, I have my nephew and he's like, he's like two years old and he's already controlling the Sonos and how he <laughs> knows how to put it up and to pause it, to play it. And, uh, I have, a, I know a guy like a really young guy, like seven years old, he's already shouting to the Amazon, like play this, do, do that. Uh, so they're already growing up with it. Like, like f- three years ago, uh, pe- um, children will grow up with iPads. Everyone was amazed, like, wow, how can they use iPads? And now it's like, hey, how, how do they know how to, how to use voice commands? You know, like, so, so yeah, so the technology is changing and uh, all the time. And uh, and people always say, like, oh, my God, nowadays, the kids of nowadays, they're now used to this and this. But that's, all, like, this happening for hundreds of years, you know, when, they, when you had the cars and horses. And, yeah, yeah, and, for sure. Do you think, do you think this is a bigger shift than say the um when cds came in obviously when cds there's a portable way to listen to music uh, it wasn't as bad as vinyl which had a lot of issues uh, and so music consumption increased do you think this is bigger than that or yeah or, of course yeah, of course yeah. of course it's much bigger because um because people will consume more you know what i mean like like your final a lot of people were buying finals and listening home, then you had CDs. It was much easier to have CD to, to buy CDs and more convenient, you know, in the car and stuff. But now streaming and internet is even more convenient than CDs. So it's going to be, you know, well, it's going to be much, much bigger. So this this is going to be the of of course the change the change is a little bit smaller because vinyl and CD was like a huge difference in in format. So I mean more like you know, uh, and CDs is, but the, I think, yeah, the, the, the way how people consume music and it's going to be yeah, internet, uh, or things, you know, that kind yeah, of stuff yeah. that will, it will be, it will blow up like in the next uh, few years and it will be nothing compared, uh, what we saw at the final and the CD 
transfer or the CD downloads. Because mm. um, that's, that's a, of course, another, that has a huge impact on CD sales. Um, and now downloads are going down by 50% uh, in one year. Um, oh. I see that in, my, in our numbers. You know, you can see the iTunes and, and Beatport sales dropping heavily each year, but the streaming is making making it up right now. Yeah, um, yeah. I think like six months ago, uh, streaming is making more money now than the downloads and stuff. Uh, also for the majors, they they never made they they all make a lot of money right now um, because of the because music consumption is going up and it's free. You know, you have, you have freemium uh, and people get. You know, there's no excuse not to listen to music because you can listen it to free, like for free, uh, such as Pandora and Spotify, they're offering free services uh, in return of advertising. So that's why, you know, and there's no such thing as listening to CDs for free, you know, uh, except going to the shop, <laughs> listening to a few songs, um, which I was doing that when I was really young, just going to all the shops and listening to all the music. And then but that's a different thing. Um, so, yeah going to be uh i don't think people are realizing how, how big it would be in yeah, next uh, yeah. years yeah yeah you mentioned beatport uh before what do you think is going to happen to them so you have to imagine okay so downloads are going down obviously because consumers are not downloading anymore and beatport they they actually had a um a group of people who were really fans of an artist they were buying music as well of beatport because they were fans, and it was this exclusivity like time window of two weeks, uh, where you have to, where you can only download music on Beatport, and you know there's no such thing as exclusivity anymore. Yeah, yeah um, of course. And so those fans are not downloading music anymore because of the exclusivity, but also it's not convenient anymore. With if you have an MP3, what 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 what, is, what do you want to do with an MP3 file nowadays? You know, you have to mm. upload it to your phone. I don't know, you know, you have to make a playlist, put it in a playlist, sync your phone, or do it wirelessly, but it's not doesn't make much sense. You know, it's easier to have an Apple Music subscription or a Spotify or Amazon. So so they're they lost they're already they're they lost their audience, like their like their fans. Um, so what they have left is pro users, like DJs and remixers. Um, because you Beatport is the only uh, only place where you can download WAF files I, like lossless files uh, of course you have track it down and but i mean like it's the biggest people is the biggest one uh, you can't download what files on on apple itunes um so if the if the pro market like the djs are still they, they need like high quality file you know they don't want to to buy it at source because they're not trusting uh cp share you don't, you don't want to have like a you don't want, want to play a corrupted file on your first gig you know so that's why that's why I was never downloading illegally because I didn't trust it. You know, is it the recode? Is it the real thing? You know, is it the real track? People are making uh, remakes all the time. So, so people, yeah, so people like DJs and producers, they're buying stuff from Beatport, and then they they made a mistake. I think um, I don't I don't, I don't, I don't want to get in trouble, but <laughs> as Vix as Vix bought Beatport. And they converted Beatport.com to this streaming portal. That's right. Yeah, that flopped so, completely. Yeah, their idea was, you know, we have uh, we have bought all these companies like Tomorrowland and these uh, ticket agencies, and we we combine them. We use the big data and 
we make more money of it through the sponsorships and stuff. But they, they forgot, uh, like I was saying before, uh, people or like consumers and fans, they're not moving uh, through another app just for this kind of music, like electronic music. They want to listen to Taylor Swift. You know, they want to listen to to Drake. You know, and they also want to listen to electronic music, but they don't want to switch apps. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, th- I, so I think they, they, they thought, okay, we have a lot of fans. We have like like millions of consumers on our website, and we can convert them to streamers. And everybody will be happy, and more and pe- more and more people will go on Vport.com. They will buy tickets and merchandise. And we get their data, and we will sell them to sponsorships. And we'll make more money, but they, yeah, they actually underestimated. Um, and they, and at the same time, they were losing their pro users because it was so it was harder to go to on Bport because you had to go pro.bport.com, and the and and the whole the whole site changed. It was harder to actually go crate digging, you know. And um, so there were, I think, it was a big big mistake mistake and they obviously uh removed the streaming service because they were losing money and you know the whole svx thing didn't help either uh and then now they changed back to people.com and the sales are stable yeah much more stable than itunes but it makes sense because they're um they're selling it to pro users not to consumers and uh, as long as pioneer is not introducing a streaming portal for djs uh, where you can just log in on your Pioneer and you can stream your music uh, instead of uh, bringing your own SD cards. Uh, they can't do that because the internet is not reliable in Ibiza and whatever you, where you're playing. So um, if if the internet thing is not fixed yet, but it will eventually in five years or whatever, if, if you have satellite, satellite internet and, and because Elon Musk is doing that or Facebook is, do, is launching 10,000 satellites, then you can't log in using your Pioneer uh, CDJ on your on your library so the whole pro market will keep existing for a few years for sure 100 percent. right because djs because the pro market djs they need those files to put on their sd card because the internet is not reliable and pioneer doesn't have uh you know wireless or like login system yet but if if but if the internet will be no uh, no brainer in the future like you can't imagine right now but there will come a time you will not think of the speed it will be like Everywhere you go, like in a plane, on the sea, I don't know, like in, in, in like a desert or North Pole, you have like super fast internet. Your 5G internet, you know, will be like gigabyte a second. Wow. You, know, you, you, don't, you don't have to, and now we are like now, but if we, if we, if we I think if there will be like, we, uh, it would be great if we, we can repost this episode in 10 years and we will laugh about it. Like, wow. <laughs> It's crazy. It's crazy. You actually have to think about broadband, like speed and stuff. Uh, so that's going to be really interesting. But I think for now, for the next few years, um, I don't. I, I, I think they will be. They will stay stable. Um, but the problem right now they have is charts. Um, they also separated a little bit more. Like they have a big big room chart right now, and it's uh, people are downloading a little bit less music. So it's getting easier to get in a, in a chart. Uh, which means the value of the chart is deflating, you know, because if it's get easier to go in top 10, then it's less interesting to shout you're in top 10 because everyone gets in the top 10. Uh, you know, if you buy 50 tracks in two days, then you're already in the top 20. So if you have a lot of friends 
uh, or if you put a lot of uh, money into a Bport uh, campaign on Facebook, then it's super easy um, to go in top 10. So what you're seeing right now, which is uh, really bad for Bport, uh, you can see it already in, in the past six months, and we are also doing it, obviously, like people, like producers are saying, oh my God, I've been added to the fresh electronic place. Oh my God, I have 1 million plays in one week. You know what I mean? They're not shouting, they're not tweeting, oh my God, I'm, I'm number five on the Beatport. <laughs> you're laughing about it, but that was this was the case two years ago. Like, yeah, if yeah. you're number one on Beatport, that was actually a big thing for the promoters and everyone is looking at the charts, but now it's the, the promoters are looking into, okay, how, how many users do you have monthly? How How's your, how many streams do you have? Um, you know, the same with fa uh, Facebook. They were looking at Facebook likes. They're not doing it anymore. Mm, uh, mm. At least I hope so. If they're smart, they're not doing it. But they, they used to. So um, they're not doing it anymore because people, promoters are realizing it's super easy to get likes because for one euro uh, a day, you have 100 likes. Uh, if you're targeting on Afghanistan or like uh, Mexico City, you know, like where, where the likes are cheap. So they're not, but Spotify is actually harder to, to hack. So it's it's way more reliable and and all the Spotify insights and spot on track um, site you can see where the track is added to the playlist and that's like that's there's not like you can't really uh, hack that you know your music must be good to be in the playlist because it's in it's in Austin Kramer's um, it's his responsibility to have the best music otherwise people will go to they will leave the app because there's only shitty music in the playlist and they will go to Amazon or Apple Music because they have better curators. So it's in, it's in everyone's interest. The music is as good as it can be in a playlist. So, and that's more, it's more, way more interesting if you're in a playlist than if you have a top 10 track on Beatport. Um, so yeah, that, you know, there, they will be fine in a few years um, because people still need the files, but I think they will have less traffic because people are not cross promoting. Um, making promotion for Beatport anymore because it's, it's simply not interesting enough. So they have to think of creative ways to make it interesting for artists to promote. So what they did now is to, they have a, a, a DJ award 2016. They nominated artists and they were like, hey, can you post this on your social media because you're nominated for this DJ award. So, you know, that's a great idea, but it's not um, super sustainable. Because um, yeah. you can do it like once a year, so they have to think of more um, campaigns like this. Um, but their team is really small now because of SFX, uh, because the Beatport US, they they um, yeah, there's no, it, there's no Beatport US anymore. It's only Germany, I think. So their their social team is smaller, so they have less impact, less um, assets, less uh, manpower to to make promotion. Yeah. Around. So I think they will. I don't know, I've, yeah, I, they need to be more creative than this. And um, and I, th I think it was really interesting. They they actually, they had a deal with Spotify, but they but Spotify reversed it. Um, and I think that, 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 cool, that was their, um, I think that was the solution because their, their Beatport is a strong brand, uh, obviously. They have this big network of, of in the independent labels. And, and, and the idea was, I think the idea was with Spotify, they we give Beatport some money and they can help us to bring all the labels to Spotify, you know, and to build curated playlists, to have all these playlists, and and, uh, and they didn't do that anymore. 
um, because Beatport launched their own streaming service and Spotify as their own uh, curators now. So they, they don't need another brand to build, uh, to build good playlists. That's why they hired Austin Kramer around that time. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's, I think that was a really uh, strong move, but then it worked out for them. Um, otherwise you, you, you would see all those cool Beatport playlists everywhere on Spotify, like Deep House, Electro House, Break Room, Trance. And then everyone's like, oh, Beatport, that's like a reliable source for good music, for good playlists. Oh, they, oh they have, they're throwing this party in Miami. Oh, they have this merchandise, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. And now it's like, you know, the consumers don't really know Beatport because they're focusing on pro market. Um, yeah, so it's interesting times uh, for them, yeah, for sure. All right, I want to switch gears for a moment and ask you about blockchain technology. Uh, I have no idea what it is. In fact, I'd never heard of it until I was doing research for this interview. So could you explain what blockchain technology is and how it will help artists? Okay, so blockchain technology is not uh, just a technology only for music. It's a universal technology used for bitcoins. Um, you know, that's the most famous um, way to use um, a blockchain. Is, is, is the Bitcoin. Um, um, so yeah, um, so blockchain, yeah, it's, it's kind of uh, complicated, but I'll try my best to explain it. Um, so blockchain is a decentralized way to have information in a chain. So that means all around the world, there are uh, people, um, they have computers, they're uh, mining, mm-hmm. um, so they have strong computers, um, they're mining, that means they're making calculations and they get, um, in return of making calculations, they get a, a, a small, um, yeah, small money for that, like they're mining, yeah. so they get like a Bitcoin, part of Bitcoin. And they're making calculations because if you want to put information in the blockchain, they have to, uh, yeah, to they have to make um, calculations to to save it because if you have a okay, so imagine if you have um, if you have information flow example is um, let, let's uh, use music um, for example we have a, a track uh, of hardwell and we, uh, uh, we we will sell sell it on our website. And people will download it for one euro forty nine, and then um, when that's happening, we have um, a meta code in the transaction, and the meta code there it will uh, translate. If you if you have the code, then it will. Uh, if someone will buy a track, it will say, okay, fifty percent will go to hardwell, fifty percent will go to label. But you can also use this for more complicated structures. So if you have a singer songwriter or if you have publishers. So for example, Spotify can use this where we are actually, um, you know, I did a, a conference last week. Um, I met some guys over there and we're going to try to run a, um, a trial or demo with Spotify. So when a user is playing music, Spotify can read out the meta uh, code, meta data. Um, they can see a string of numbers or, and then they can use that number. It will lead to a, a contract, a smart contract, 
where all the information is you, you need to pay out money. So publishers, uh, neighboring rights, uh, artist data, uh, label data. So instead of giving the money to the label, you, you can actually pay out to artists directly and to publishers and to everyone. Mm. And you have to imagine they're like Spotify, they have 40, 50, 100 data um, inputs from all kinds of agencies. You have like uh, every country has their own neighboring rights company. You, know, you have BMI in Holland, you have PPL, you have, you have every, everything, Sound Exchange in the US, you have everything. And they are all connected to, to Spotify. So the problem is Spotify has to communicate with all these agencies. But block, blockchain can actually, it's a solution because you only need one data feed. Mm. So Spotify has only to read out that code, like you have now with ESIC code, like each track has their own fingerprint, but now each track will have their own uh, smart contract code. So they, they will, so a consumer will play it, and then Spotify knows, okay, the money, 50% will go to Hardwell, 50% will go to Reveal, because it's actually, it's looking at the code and will communicate with the, the blockchain uh, file, and then we'll see what kind of information is in there. And, bl and blockchain is in there, blockchain is used, so people can't modify it, because blockchain is decentralized, so everyone right. has a copy of the database. So if you're hacking one computer, then it doesn't make sense because there are like million, billions of computers making. And if you want to hack blockchain, you have to hack to hack the whole block of the whole blockchain. So you have to hack all the computers in a row. So all the calculation made, you have to hack everything. So it's it's impossible to hack it, and it's also impossible to modify a blockchain mm. uh, because of that reason, because it's secured and because all the computers doing uh, it's, it's encrypted. I don't know all the technical stuff. It's something you know like this, and uh, and then people are like, yeah, but why use blockchain? Um, you know, the, the blockchain is in there, so nobody can modify it, and everyone has agreed on the terms. And for the first time, you have a universal way of paying out directly to artists. So Spotify can use the the Meta code, but also, of course, Apple Music, Beatport. You don't have to fill in all the paperwork. You don't have to work with 50 parties anymore. They can just have one source. And um, they did some maths. And like there's like a lot of money um, going down the drain because there's a misinformation. There's a wrong, there's a typos, you know, because like a lot of people are writing down, they're doing stuff manually with Excel sheets. So there's a lot, a lot of information lost in there. But with the blockchain, you don't get that. And also, because of blockchain, you can automate everything, mm. like payments. Uh, you, you don't have to, uh, normally a label, they get like a, a CSV file, a big file of meta code. Like this track is played there. You get one cent of this track and one cent in that track for fonts. So they have to process everything. And that that's like a huge work because you have to process all the data, like six billion lines for one statement you know, for your company. But now you don't have to do that anymore because the money goes directly. So you will save like a lot of money uh, for that. And, and they make calculations will save 50%, 15% 15% uh, of costs. Um, wow, wow. Because you don't, you don't need that back office anymore. You don't need people doing accounting. And, yeah. And obviously this is like the early stage. And with Hardwell, we are um, we did a test. Uh, we announced it like in, during ADE. We're actually one of the first doing it. And... 
uh, my aim is, uh, we are now building like a whole community on Revealed. And my aim is to use blockchain technology as well for our own community because um, you can already buy uh, music on djhardwell.com and we will also um, implement it on Revealed, uh, on the Revealed website so you can actually buy music directly on the label. Mm-hmm. And what I want to do, if we solve this, like this technical issue, then we can pay out uh, to artists directly. Um, mm. instead of, instead of, instead of nine months or six months, because normally yeah, if yeah. you release a song in January, then labels have six months, uh, time to pay out, but no, and then they have another three months time window to make it happen. Um, and I think, and I hope we've revealed like we can, um, not on January 1st because it's not ready yet. We're really, they're building it as we speak, mm. but I hope like, like in the first quarter or, or during Miami, we can announce like, okay, now everyone uh, gets some money within a month or real time, you know, uh, the technology won't be the issue, uh, by then. Yeah. And, um, you know, you have to, I think, I think labels has to embrace this yeah, uh, yeah. technology and they're already like the majors already, they already signed up, um, on the open music initiative. It's like a big group of labels and record companies. Yeah. Yeah. And they're already investigating blockchain. So, you know, you can either ignore it or embrace it. And the majors are not stupid. You know, they they need to embrace it because eventually it will save them a lot of money as well because of the processing um, flow and information. They will make more money because the, the information will be more correct than it is right now because there are too many middlemen uh, right now. So for, for them, it's, it's a big win as well. And for Revealed, I hope uh, this technology will position us um, it will be a more unique selling point as well for the label because if you sign with Revealed, you get your money within a month or directly. And if you sign with an, another company, other label, then you have to wait nine, nine months on your money. <laughs> and I think like there are already some labels doing this. It's not, but not, they're not using blockchain, but they're doing more like automated. They're like Monster Cat. They are yeah, paying I think, out. I think Booty's, Booty's told me about how he, he pays out within like a month or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, it's a monster cat they're doing a month. Yeah, uh, obviously, if you have your own small record label, then it's possible to do it as well. But if imagine at scale, if you're a big label with with hundred thousand masters, and if you have to process that, and you have to it's too it's too hard right now. But block, blockchain will definitely help in the, in this part. Um, so I hope with this, um, people are like asking me all the time, like yeah, blockchain, why blockchain? But uh, I really think. Like Elon Musk is doing with electricity, electricity, like like with Tesla and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's trying to amplify, like to make it faster to use technology, so people use it faster. And because of his efforts, like people will use more electro, will use electronic cars uh, faster. Um, instead of three years, they will use it now uh, in one year. You know, and I hope uh, because we're um, a strong brand and Hardwell is a big name. If we embrace this technology and we are actually using it and we're showing people how to use it uh, then i hope um other labels will do the, will follow us because they have to because people will get used to it like they get monthly payments and if they're not then as a label you, you know you have a problem because they will rather sign with us than with another label if we have similar marketing um opportunity marketing skill uh, yeah reach and stuff so so I think it's a good thing for artists, you know, um, it's really hard to make a lot of money now with music because yeah. they have less, uh, less gigs and stuff. There's uh, the market is saturated, but I think with this kind of stuff, um, 
it's actually possible to to live from from music if your music is good enough and you know reveals all about supporting uh, artists and if they can live from music because we pay out monthly then that's a big win for everyone because they can focus on making music they don't need a second job mm. um, they can make better music more music and we can help them um, in their you know in their in their life to actually make uh, money from music and as long as the artists are really good talented and they deserve it and that's just great you know um and also because of streaming the whole streaming trend and playlists and stuff and playlists are more looking into quality music They're, they don't care if you have a rich dad or you know if you have yeah, a lot of yeah, money yeah. uh you know they don't care about that you know um because they need to have the best music in the playlist um so uh yeah i think the real talented people will um stand out more and more because of technology and it will be less about you know how much money you have and stuff so that's i think that's a great trend yeah i think to me it sounds like that the industry as a whole is becoming more democratic and transparent which i love yeah for sure yeah for sure and uh, you know and spotify is definitely helping that because they're making they're actually one of the few who are sharing data with artists at, at this scale you know they have spotify artists you can log in on your on your um, spotify artist account if you're an artist listening right now and you don't have a spotify artist then you don't deserve to be an artist i think because <laughs> you, you you need you need that data you know you need to log in on your account you need to, to know where your fans are where you can tour where your track is submitted to which playlist because you need to actually uh, maintain that um, relation with that creator or whatever uh, playlist that is, you know. So, and they are really helping the industry right now with opening up data and sharing data and helping artists, um, you know, to know where their fans are. And I think that's a good thing. And I, th I hope uh, we will definitely, you know, we, we are all about sharing data and I don't have, you know, if we, I don't have any problem sharing data from a revealed perspective mm -hmm. um, because I believe, you know, we need to satisfy artists and we need to help them build their career because that's your only USB as a label because the technology won't be, uh, like everyone can upload their music to Spotify. So you have to, you know, help them in their career. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a great thing that Spotify is opening up data. I hope they will do it more and more. Mm. Um because for labels, they, they still have a lot of, they can still help us. For example, if, you're, if we are posting a Facebook post about Spotify, then we don't know what effect is on the micro level. Like, you know, that you can't see conversions and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I hope they will invest a little bit more in, in that, like um, like more like Google Analytics for Spotify, you know? So you yeah, can see yeah. like where your, mind, where your money is going through and what the conversion is and how can you optimize. So there's like a lot of stuff that they can Im improve, but they're helping artists uh, first because they know it's, it's going to be about the music uh, and and they need the music for their, for the app and to have to create the best uh, you know, exp user experience for consumers. So they have more subscription subscribers. For sure. All right, I've got a few more questions to ask. Uh, the first is, and and the listeners asked me to ask this question. Uh, what is the best way or what advice would you give to people trying to reach out to labels? 
Um, this is a very common question. You probably get asked it all the time, but how should people best pitch labels? How should people get their demos heard? What advice would you give, give there? So, um, so this is the most, it's the number one frustrating part of being a musician. You know, you're, you're, you're I know because I, I've been, I've been making music, so I know how hard it is to get listened. And everyone, all the artists, like the, like the, if you're starting out, then you think you, you, you made the best song in your career. You know, you're working in ethic, you're working till 5 a.m. in the morning, 5 a.m. in the morning. And then you're realizing like, holy shit, this track is so good. And then you're bouncing it and then you're, you can't wait. And then you're already sending it to all the labels by email and stuff. And then nobody's responding. And then the next day you're listening back to your track and then you're like, oh my God, what did I do? You know? And then, then, um, and I'm always saying the, the, you know, you can only make one good first impression, you know? So if you, at that time, if you're sending your, your demo and it's not actually really good, then, you know, then it's going to be a problem because people remember bad demos and they'll be like, oh, this guy, that doesn't make good music. Let's skip this one. So, um, so it's super, I know how hard it is and frustrating it is and stuff. And I get a lot of tweets like, uh, don't reply on my email and stuff. And, um, and I get like hundreds of, de- of emails a day, uh, obviously. Um, and with review recordings, we have a, uh, a website where people can submit demos. And then people are like, yeah, but I'm submitting demos every day and every week and I never get a response, um, you know? And that's super frustrating, I know. But it's, so where does it start? You know, I, I really believe if you're, if you want to get signed and if you want to have your demo uh, heard, I don't think the, the, the problem is getting heard and getting signed because technology make, made it so easy. You know, it's so easy to reach out to an A&R. It's so easy to go to a conference. It's so easy to, to send someone a Facebook message. It's so easy to treat to someone. It's so easy to, you know, to, to send a message to SoundCloud. It's, so easy right now you know there's no excuse so the artists are really forgetting like maybe instead of um worrying about uh how can i get signed and stuff maybe the artist should focus on the music first so that's the most important thing where you it's most important that's like the best start you need is like the music needs to be good yeah yeah. you know the music needs to be market fit it needs to be good it needs to be because you can work your ass off, you can send it to all the people, you can you can look up all the email addresses and you can send it to everyone and stalk everyone, but it doesn't help if your music is not good, you know, because you can only make a uh, first good impression. So, and to be honest, I think a lot of people are like uh, frustrated, like, yeah, I don't get a reply, but uh, if you have an email from an A&R manager and, and the chances really, really big they, they actually listen to it mm-hmm. or they will forward to their assistant or someone uh, for example at revealed we listen to every demo mm. and people are like well i don't believe that and what well, we do we have one guy at the office who's listening to to each demo and then why is that because we have a demo of the week mm-hmm. in hard on air we need content mm-hmm. you know so and the system allows us to download 200 songs a day uh, because it's like an automated server so we have all the MP3 uh, files ready. And we have a guy 
uh, who's listening to all the demos and he needs only five seconds per demo because that's the truth. You know, I'm not, I'm not people are like, why? How can you say that? I'm working on uh, eight hours on one song, <laughs> but in three seconds, you know, actually uh, if a track is good enough or yeah, not, yeah, of course. because uh, you can hear it by, uh, you know, mixing, mastering. And if you skip through a track and then you hear something interesting, like a scene or melody, then you, you will stop doing it and you will listen to it longer. But if you don't hear anything interesting in the whole track, then in three seconds, you know if a track is good or not. Like the chances are really small, like you're missing the, be- the big hit if, um, because you're only listening to uh, three parts of the track. So we need the content for Hard One Air because we have a demo of the week and all the demos we have in Hard One on Air, 90% of the time are coming from, from the server. So from from the demo uh, pool. And we need the content, so we are look. So we listen to every demo. So, uh, and actually, like there are uh, some artists we are we signed who started with a demo of the week, hmm. like Ciano and like a, like a bunch of artists. And 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 the reason um, we are, we have the demo of the week is like okay, we don't want to sign this track. It's not good enough, but we believe it's good enough to 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 play it in a radio show and. If we play maybe a smaller record label, we'll sign it. Yeah, yeah. That that happened a lot. And for us, it's obviously a good content thing because we have a, a good uh, way to engage with artists as well. And, you know, it's good to have, like, to support talents because Robert was also, he was in that position many years ago. And then Chesto helped him out. So he, want, he wants to give back. But so I want to, you know, to make sure people really understand this. Like, it's really about your music because... You know the technology is not a problem. You know you don't need like you don't need um, to book a flight ticket to go to a label or to send a, a CD. You know the technology and social media and it made it so easy to send a demo. That's not it's not the problem anymore. It's it's not it's really not. If you're if you're an artist, you you have to you think you really have the best music. And you're sending it to all the labels and they're not responding. Then then it's their bet. You know like it's then, but then it's, it's their problem, and then, but they don't realize like maybe um, you should do it the other way around. Maybe you should put it out for free on your SoundCloud or reach out to all the the biggest YouTube channels because believe it or not, but the labels are looking at YouTube and SoundCloud. What's popping up? What's what 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 kind of videos has many plays and it's unsigned? They're looking at that. So if your music is really good, then maybe the label the labels. Won't, won't respond because they don't see it at that point. But if you're sending to uh, a lot of YouTube channels and they need good content as well. So they're, they're actually, you know, listening to it because they need content because they make money of it and they're building their audience. It's, it's also in their interest to have content. So they're looking for content. So if you have music and if you're listening now and nobody's responding, like all the labels and you're submitting to all the demo systems out there, like the spinning ones and revealed, and nobody's responding or there's no feedback or, you know, then you can do either. Um, you have to work on your music more. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you only started for three months, then um, <laughs> I'm 100%, uh, you know, you need to at least like one year experience to make like, it's, it's, it's impossible to have like a full production in three months. And, and, and if you have one, then you'll probably use a sample pack and then you'll be one of the many and then you won't be, uh, your sound won't be in, unique enough to get signed, so that's that's not a problem. But if you're if you're thinking like, okay, but my music is really good, I'm I'm so confident about this, and you're 
you're confident that your music fits the label really well, like sound-wise, because you have to be careful with that, you know, don't send a drum bass track to a commercial label, which makes sense. Um, then, you know, maybe then you should start from the ground up and then send it to big SoundCloud channels, to YouTube channels, and then, you know, agree with whatever they want. They, they probably want to monetize it and claim it, you know, but that's good. You know, you need to build on your exposure and on your diehard fans. And, and then one, I'm 100% sure if you're, if you're building that way, if you're, maybe you will just upload it to, her, to Spotify, your own, and then you pitch it to smaller playlists and then try to get on a big playlist and you get some traction around that. And then you will get noticed, you know, like you notice people, labels, they have scouts, they have A&R managers. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm on Spotify all the time. I'm on YouTube all the time. I'm following all the big YouTube channels. Uh, I have some, we have an intern guy who was checking them, who was searching the web to some cool artists. You know, um, if you are, uh, if you're confident about your production, then, um, they're not doing it anymore, but like, uh, try to, to, uh, to join remix contests, uh, because that we actually discovered a few artists doing, um, uh, submitting uh, remixes uh, with a remix contest we did. So, you know, so how do you reach labels? You know, it, of course, you you know you have the email addresses. Everyone knows the uh, famous email addresses. You can just look it up on Twitter by searching their username, and then with keywords email, then you could probably see some replies with their email address. Or look on uh, on Google. You know, um, you can with with LinkedIn, you can actually pay fifty euros a month, and then you can send someone a message um, through LinkedIn, even if you're not friends. You know, if you don't have a connection, like not a lot of people are know this, but there are actually some people are doing this. And if you're one of the few, then it, it will work. You know, some, some people find it annoying and it's probably, it is annoying because you don't ask for it, but the NR managers that will recognize your name. And the next time you will send an email or a tweet, they were like, Hey, this, what's this guy? I saw him a few times already. I don't know. And then you will, and if you're have luck because the, the NR manager is bored or he has some free time in the morning, then you will probably check it. And I also wrote some down some tips on my blog, like some yeah, crazy stuff. That. Yeah. Like like send an email uh, like in the morning when 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 the guy's behind his computer, he's waking up, he's he had his coffee, he's going behind his computer, 10 a.m. Because normal bi- people in the industry work start at 10 a.m. or 9:30. Then and the guy is opening his email, and what happens if you are sending an email at the time when they're behind their computer? You know, like. The odds are much bigger than if you, instead of you're sending you, if you send a demo um, in the weekend on a Sunday or in the night, because it will, like an R manager, they will receive 100 emails a day and they will go under the emails mm-hmm. like a demo. But if you send it like 10, 15 in the morning or whatever it works, like 11:30 or maybe 4 p.m. whatever, then you are increasing your chance to get heard. Like that's like a, a small trick. So you have to find out like, okay, where's this guy based? Is he in Amsterdam? Is he in LA? Then try to find out, okay, what's the local time there? What's my time? And then I have to schedule the email or I have to send it, uh, I have to wake up or whatever you have. Like there's a lot of software you can schedule emails. So then you don't even you have, to, have to wake up or maybe use MailChimp. You can schedule emails um, and personalize emails. I don't recommend emails because it's like, there's like, I don't recommend MailChimp because it's like unsubscribe stuff. So people realize like, okay, this is automated. I don't click on it. So, and like, like some really basic tips, like you have to address people in email, uh, you have to address people in email, because why should they check out your link 
if you don't take the time to say, hey, Seth, how are you doing? Blah, blah, I'm this guy, blah, 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 blah. If you're just saying, hey, here's my demo, then they're like instant delete because it's not personal. And there are like, like five other tricks like this, like, you know, stay, stay connected with the guy on Twitter, uh, you know, go to conferences and talk to them, ask for their card, uh, tweet them. Um, uh, I also said like, I don't think I'd post this. This is, this is like a super exclusive tip, but I, I think I have like, um, uh, you can also have like rules. You can set up rules with if this and that. I don't, do, do you know yeah. that program? Yeah, I use that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's like a trigger software. It's like, okay, if this happened, then that will trigger something. So example, if, for example, if I'm tweeting, then you can set up a notification alert that you will receive a notification or you will receive an email or your Philips Hue lights will blink two times, you know, whatever mm -hmm. you want, you can uh, alert. And my, my idea was, um, if you know someone is tweeting, then it's probably online. <laughs> this ah, kind of creep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so if you know, if you know like, oh, Seb is tweeting, so he's online, then maybe I have to send that, at that time I have to send him a tweet or an email uh, or maybe a Facebook That's message genius. or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, this is like this is my own trick. I use that for curators and and yeah. the kind of stuff. So if I'm if like someone's online, then I know it because I, I get notif I don't get my lights won't blink. That's mm. crazy, but I get like a <laughs> notification, uh, and then I'm like, oh, this guy is uh, online. Then let me send him a, a Facebook message or let me send him a tweet to you know to make sure he's seeing my priority release or. or I'm sure, so I'm sure you saw my email, you know, because I'm also, I have trouble reaching some people, you know, like, um, I'm just a normal guy. Like I, some people are like more, even more busy or more connected than, than me. So it's harder, to, it's really hard to reach them. Um, so, you know, I had to be creative and uh, I'm sharing this trick right now. So, um, and it's kind of creepy, you know, because like, <laughs> and sometimes I'm, I'm realizing like, when I'm behind a computer and it's 10, 15, then I get like three emails. Now like, okay, <laughs> you guys read my blog. And it works because I'm checking it because I find it so funny that I'm actually checking it out and I give, yeah. it, and I give feedback. So that's also like a, a heck, you know, like, um, do you know Gary Vaynerchuk? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I love this guy. Like, he's so smart. He's like, you know, don't, don't sell at the first uh first contact moment like don't of course don't, yeah if, if you're meeting someone first time, don't sell your demo just build a relation and give give something back like feedback or jokes or on twitter you can uh, reply you can you know give some value and then if the moment is right they can say hey oh yeah by the way i'm also a producer and making music you know i think I re i'm really a big believer in that so when I, I when i need to do something when i want to have contact with someone and i try to just you know build a relation with them and not, not ask for it, for something the first second, you know, then, and then after a while you build a relationship, then, um, you can, uh, give him value and then he can give you value back. You know, that's, that's, that's how it works because people are like that. That's psychology. Yeah. So, yeah. so I think that's, that's like, I, I love the guy I'm watching all this stuff. So I'm really inspired by do that. You watch, and, do you uh, watch the daily, the daily V? Yeah, I'm watching it. Yeah. Uh, not every day, but the most time um, yeah. I'm on my bike riding to my office. Uh, I'm checking it out because I have 15 minutes to kill on my bike. Yeah. And in Holland, we do stuff at the same time. We, we, we actually bike and send messages and stuff. So we, we, can, we can do that. We are crazy. 
I would crash. I would crash if I did that. I'd hit a car or something. Yeah. <laughs> my girlfriend is scared to death because I'm sending snaps from the bike. They're like, I don't do this. They're like, they're, but they're working on the, on the, on yeah on a ban on that in in Amsterdam. So in one year you're not allowed to use your phone. But I I'm, I love this. I love the guy, and I think he's you know um, um like a lot of stuff he's saying is is also working for the music industry. Um, so I find, I find that really inspiring and I try to come up with my own ideas and, and write it. I don't do it a lot because I'm too busy with, uh, with my work, but I, I need to do it more. Um, but I try to share as much as I can, um, as well. Uh, that's why I, I had this producers exposed thing on my, on my blog where I was just giving feedback to people, uh, in, in, in public. I think that advice about not selling at the first contact is crucial because I mean, just in my experience running the, the podcast and the website, I would get emails every day, Facebook messages. Oh, can you give feedback on my song? Can you give feedback on my song? And I would initially, but then it got too much, uh, just not enough time. But then there'd be some people who would reach out first and just say, thanks for all your articles. Help me become a better producer you know, blah, 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 like long email. Yeah. Yeah. Really nice. And then they wouldn't do anything for a week. Maybe we'd have a bit of a conversation and then maybe a month later they'd say, Oh, could you, that, could you give feedback on my song? You don't have to, if you're busy and, and I'd be more inclined to do it. Or, you know? or, or you're, or, or you're, you'll be probably like, Hey, are you producing yourself as well? You know, like your question because you're actually curious because this guy is like, like a fan of you and he's right and you, he's interested in what you're doing. Then you were like, also it's just psychology. And then you're like, yes. Hey, are you producing as well? And like, yeah, actually I am blah, blah. So that's how you build like, uh, this is really interesting. And that's with everything you want to do in life. You know, that's, that's how it works. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I really want to ask you if you, if you see any, what are some digital marketing mistakes that you see artists and labels make nowadays? Okay, so so we have so we have this group, we have this uh, hip we have like hip chat. It's like Slack. Hip chat is like the, the competi competition of uh, Slack. So we have this group called like bad social media examples, <laughs> and <laughs> each like each day or something we are putting out like putting in like screenshots of funny like like fuck ups or like yeah. really bad social posts or like. <laughs> So we're actually, and it's funny, but also learning from it. Yeah. yeah. And I also um, gave a, a, a presentation a few months ago in Holland for uh, Buma NL. It's like a nightmare rights thing, and yeah, I yeah. was doing uh, quick scans of Dutch artists and like Dutch uh, singers. So it's like, like no EDM stuff or like uh, country music, you know, and. I was doing quick scans for all the biggest artists out there, like Dutch artists. And the, the thing is with dance, uh, dance industry, we are, we are quite sophisticated with technology and how we use social media and live streams and all this kind of stuff. But the, the country singers, like even Rihanna or Ariana Grande, like the really big ones, they don't know how really how to use social media uh, on Facebook and stuff. So I gave a presentation, did a quick scan, and I, like I gave like really bad, like I showed the bad examples, and I told them like how to fix it, how to do it better, and gave them some tips and stuff. And after that, like a lot of people coming to me like, oh my, oh my god, I didn't know that like 
this and this are are influencing the the algorithm of Facebook. And mm-hmm. if you do this, and you have like if you worse reach and stuff. So then I realized, like, oh my god, like that's crazy because we are doing this all the time, like every day. We are spending so much hours on on optimi- optimization, A B testing. Mm. I actually forgot how sophisticated we are doing um, uh, social media with, but even in the whole dance industry, you know, like we are quite good. Like all yeah, the artists are yeah. doing really, really good social media. Like everyone, because like it's electronic, and people are more based. They're more focused on technology, so they they're looking at other people and they're doing better job than country singers and whatever. So, and there are like a lot of. Um, so they're two years behind, and and the music industry, the uh, the electronic music industry, they're like not they're doing a great job, but there are a lot of people were, um, who don't have a manager or so or social media manager or they just hired this girl, na- neighbor girl or, or this sister or the mom was doing some social stuff because a promoter asked for some promotion around a gig. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, then the the artist is too busy with making music, which make which is normal, you know. And then they're hiring this sister or or brother or someone they know. And then they will just, for example, they just post a flyer on Facebook, you know, mm-hmm. like native, like, like they just post a flyer. This doesn't happen a lot nowadays, but it used to. Oh yeah, but people, yeah. People, but everyone like they don't they don't know like. Um, Facebook, they have algorithms. Obviously, they have they have machine learning systems. They they know what's in a picture. You know, they have software saying, okay, this is a monkey. This is this is a, a human because of the color, because of the the this color thing or this uh, shape. You know what mm, I mean? Of course, yeah. So they yeah. so they have this algorithm of deep learning machines all connected. And the more pictures people are uploading, the the more accurate their system is. So they have the most sophisticated system in the world, mm. you know. So if you, so what their goal is to do that is like, what what are our algorithms? What determines what a good post is and what's not? And for example, a flyer. If you post a flyer, if you are performing somewhere and you have to announce it, and you post a flyer on Facebook, and Facebook can see, oh, this is text. You know, mm. this is uh, this is this is something they try to sell on Facebook and this is not interesting for the audience, blah, 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 because we think um, um, posts from friends and human pictures or whatever is more interesting than a flyer with too much information and text. They use this, they used to have this um, software program if you want to upload an an ad, then you can have 20% text uh, text in the image. They they removed it a little bit. They're less less strict. But the reason is why the reason why is like they want to make it interesting as as possible. They don't want to have uh, uh, you know they, their advertising needs to be good as well. Otherwise, it's just you go on Facebook, you have advertising, advertising, advertising. And the same is with uh, organic posts. You know, if you have a flyer and people and Facebook can determine what it is because they they have billions of users uploading pictures every day so they know what a human is and what's interesting and how people are engaging with pictures. So if you're posting a flyer, then you get like all the penalties in the world. You get like, okay, this is a flyer, this is text, you're trying to sell something. This is not interesting, it's dark colors, blah, 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 you know? 
mm-hmm. then Facebook determines for you, like, okay, this post is not going to happen. You know, like you have 1 million likes on Facebook, but this post is not just, it's not good. It doesn't work. That's how the algorithm is thinking. And then you get uh, 200 likes. Well, you have 1 million likes on Facebook and then the artists start to cry on Twitter. Oh, Facebook is <laughs> You know what I mean? Like we talked about yeah. this in, in the beginning. Like it, it makes so much sense. So if you have, um, if you need to announce a gig, like like really basic tip, you know, like I don't mind sharing this, but like if you have like gig announcement, don't post a flyer. If you if you need to sell something, use use advertising. Uh, you know, spend one euro and you can reach a thousand people in a really specific segment. You know, if you want to sell something, then then use use advertising. You know, if you have uh, if you want to have to, if you want to boost your music to Spotify, if you need more plays, then uh, segment target on Spotify users. You know, don't don't just post it. And if you have a flyer, um, you need to make it interesting. So if you have a flyer, don't don't post a flyer, obviously, but make um, you know use a picture of the gig if you have performed there earlier. If you don't, take a picture of another gig and then make sure you're in the picture. You're not uh, small in the picture, but you're uh, you're you're big in the picture because if you people can't see you, then it won't work. You know, with algorithm, but also people like like psychology, people won't like it because they don't see anything, they don't see shit, they only see other people, so that's not interesting. So you have to really have to think. Okay, um, it's not only about gigs, it's about everything. So if you have a release, you know, how can I? What what, what kind of asset can I use to make it more interesting and too many people are too lazy with this. Like there are still people actually using, they're actually embedding YouTube links on Facebook. And yeah. your, your part, or you know this, but like a lot of people think, yeah, but I need more YouTube views. You know, I need to, I need to <laughs> like people don't look at YouTube views anymore. Like they used to, but they know. What, what is your, what is your goal? You know, you want to reach people, right? You want to have like more fans. So you want to reach, as much as pe- people you can in your your audience, and you can only do that if you play it by the rules of Facebook. So if you are posting on Facebook, then you have to uh, make uh, post a native video because the, the video will play automatically in the f- first three seconds, or they will play the, the video will uh, play automatically in the timeline of the user. If you have YouTube, it won't. So you're missing a lot of opportunity of uh, timeline users. Um, this is really basic, but the, the, like still people doing this, and I'm, and if if this is happening, then we are sh- making screenshots and sharing in our group. Like, <laughs> oh my god, I can't believe this. And even this, this sometimes like Rihanna is doing this. You know, like really, um, really? yeah. Most of the time, because they need because the label is saying like, yeah, it's Vivo, and you need mm. to do this because Facebook doesn't monetize. This mm. is like a big agenda, like monetize agenda. But if you're smarter, then you're like, oh, maybe I can use a, a 15 second clip. I still use the organic reach of Facebook because people see it through their timeline. They will like it and engage with it and will reach more people, friends of friends, blah, blah. Mm. And then in the comments, and and, and, and I, I can um, link to the YouTube. So you're actually, will probably have more views in total because you're reaching more people and your video will go uh, viral. And if you're not doing it, someone else will do it, like uh, maybe a fan page or, or uh, like, like uh, entertainment page, or they will steal your content. They will do it better than you, and then you will lose the momentum and, and the likes and, and, the, and the reach and the data and whatever. So that so always make sure you have native posts. Play it by the rule of the 
of the website. And this is the same for Twitter and Instagram and everything. So if you have a Twitter, uh, if you have a video, you know, use the Twitter engine, the video engine. You know, don't, don't use uh, YouTube because it doesn't play automatically. They have a nice card, like Twitter card and stuff, and you can click on it. But people, it's just, it has to do with the same um, topic we discussed earlier. People don't want to think about it anymore. You know, like with the Philips U I was talking about, like it needs to go automatically. So video needs to play automatically. People don't want to click anymore. So if your video, if you have native video, it will click automatically, it will open automatically. And people are like, um, you also make sure your first three seconds are really good, like a fast intro or like no black, no intro fade in or five seconds because people don't see it. So make sure that your first three seconds are uh, good enough. And then people will actually come across it. It happens all the time with me. When I go through Facebook, I'm, I'm consuming videos I would never have if it was a YouTube link. You know, like a lot of those um, pranks and cats videos, you know, like <laughs> because it's already starting in the first three seconds. Like, hey, this is funny. And, oh, yeah. and next one, next one, next one. You know? <laughs> and it won't happen if it was YouTube. Like I will never go on YouTube and it will take five seconds of my life and 10 seconds to load and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it's, it's too much. People don't want to click on it. So, you know, that's like the biggest tip is like, you know, post native and, and it's more work. I agree because you have to upload it to twitter.video.com or video.twitter.com. You have to upload it to Facebook native. It's much easier if you just post, uh, if you cross promote everything, if you're, if you're clicking on the, if you're posting an Instagram video and you're clicking on the Facebook icon or the Twitter icon, so it will be posted everywhere, but then you will just have the Instagram link. Nobody will see it. You know, like you still see a lot of people have a picture on Twitter with an Instagram link and no native picture because they're they're too lazy, and they will, yeah, and they will actually, you know, people people don't see shit. They're not going to click on your Instagram link to see a picture because it will take three seconds, five seconds instead of uh, fifty seconds. That's why uh, uh, gifs are really working well because it's instantly and it's a video, but it's actually faster than a video. You know, and and and. You know, like uh, I saw the at the next web conference was this um, keynote of uh, the, own, the the founder of Giphy.com. Yeah, and it was like, well, if a picture says more than a thousand words, then a GIF says more than a million words. You know, <laughs> and it's much faster than video because it doesn't load; it's really small, blah blah. So that's why you know, if you if you go to my timeline on Twitter, you see GIFs yeah, all I the noticed, time. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, and the reason is why people are seeing it more because it's, it's instant load and my, my tweet will be bigger, you know, because the, the, you know, especially if a square gift, then you have more space. And then sometimes I get like 70 likes and I like 50 likes and I'm not saying that much, you know, but it's just the way how I post it. And I know this because I, you know, we do this, do this for our artists. So there are like millions of this kind of tricks and, and we are doing it. And every week it, it's changing. Like Facebook's changing their algorithm each week. So we are testing, stuff, doing A-B testing, we are um, making, uh, and we're making reports and make sure, okay, why is, why is this picture only having, having 50,000 likes and this picture 40,000 likes? What's, wh why is this? Like, is it the words? Is it the picture? Why is it doing better on Twitter than Facebook? And we learn like, oh, the nerdy stuff is doing better on Twitter, make, which makes sense because it's a different audience. You know, and the more artsy stuff is doing better on Instagram, 
which makes sense because there's more arty stuff on Instagram. You know what I mean? So it's a different, different audience. So you know, if you really want to do it good, then you have to post different assets to different um, platforms. But that's like then you, that's like way more work than you want to do. And um, but you know, these are like small, small tricks. You know, don't never, never you never post an Instagram link. You know, always on Twitter like post everything natively that's like the, the sm- like the first like the basic the one-on-one like the biggest mistake people are making they're not doing native posts don't 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 embed before links in your post like <laughs> if you want to sell something use that it's only 10 euros you know you can you can reach 10,000 people it's, it's nothing and if you have super segmented audience like okay they, they need to like my page but also maybe uh, Martin Garrick's page they need to like uh, um, beatport they need to like future music but because i'm aiming for the you know the pro market then you have like ten thousand people but the, these are really interested and you can only for 10 euros you can reach them yeah and yeah and we also use a lot of retargeting pixels but it's like a different story but you can do it like more sophisticated than that but you know for most people you know they will do like just target on pages and that's like great start and will save you a ton of, ton of uh, money because you don't have to spend thousand euros on everyone who's liking your page because they're not interested in your Spotify link if they use Amazon or Google Play. You know what I mean? Like, don't always use target audience instead of just posting it globally. Yeah. I've got one more question, and then I'll I'll let you go. What three pieces of advice would you give to to a producer listening to this who's wanting to build a career in music, wanting to do it full-time? I think the, the biggest, number one, is for sure you have to be responsible for your own career. Uh, a lot of people are too lazy and they think, oh, I'm signed with Spinning Records and I will have my own career, but then that's just a start. So you have to be self-aware of your career. Like, okay, I'm in charge of my own career. Um, don't depend on... on on other people uh, too much, you know. You have to you have to be responsible for for your own career. So work as hard as you can, you know. Reach to all those YouTube channels, SoundCloud channels, curators on Spotify. Don't depend on the label, you know. Like take you know, take control of your life, you know. Like that's really hard to explain because you have to, people have to experience it. So yeah, but that's yeah. what I that's what I've learned in in the past four years. Like don't depend on other people, like. And the more people you have around you, the the more network and the biggest chances, of course, if you have good people. But you can see with Hardwell and all those artists, Martin Garrix and Blau, they're doing a lot of stuff of their own. You know, like they're reaching out to the creators, to the right people. They're hustling, like like Gary Vee, like they're hustling all the time. They're tweeting themselves to the right people. They 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 have yeah they they control their life, and you have a lot of. Uh, producers were, were just there they think they have a release and they will can build a career on that but that's like nothing you know like it, it's just the beginning you know like so that's my number one tip is like really like you know take control of your of your own life and but that's with everything like if you're if you're if you're not a producer but if you're working in in different industry then it's the same story so i think just just yeah it's a key thing um yeah, so my, my biggest you know, biggest tip is like, you know, uh, instead of 
watching Game of Thrones, which is Gary Vee always saying, spend a few spend a few hours and try to build your own database of big YouTube channels, SoundCloud channels, curators, and you know work on that instead of doing other stuff, watching movies. Yeah, for sure. That's that's great advice. Um, all right. Well, thanks heaps for for taking the time. This is a great discussion. And if people want to find out more about you, I know you've got a blog on Medium. Where can they go? Yes, medium.com forward slash uh, Sebastian Lins. Uh, I have Twitter as well, at Sebastian Lins. Um, I have Facebook. But to be honest, I don't use it. Uh, I need to use it more and more. But I will definitely, uh, especially after this conversation, I'm realizing like, okay, maybe I can write down some more tips which are pretty obvious for me but maybe not so obvious for starting producers um yeah so i'm medium twitter a lot of i'm addicted to twitter um and um yeah that's where you can find me try to if you're if you're listening to this podcast and if you're if you're pay, pay attention then you know you have to reach out to me to build a, the relation and um if you're making electronic music especially then you know um you now have the knowledge a little bit more. Um, and if you're listening to this podcast, then you're already doing a good thing because you're investing in time and you're learning and you're hustling already. So that's, I think that's a good thing about people who are listening. Um, so yeah, and you know, tweet to all the guys who have been on these radio shows of you. I think that's a good trick, tip as well. And uh, yeah, talk to me on Twitter. And maybe I will not want respond, but make sure you add some value in the conversation and not just make a shitty comment or <laughs> whatever, or send just your music through SoundCloud, you know, uh, do it at the right moment. Sometimes I'm just tweeting like, okay, send your SoundCloud links now, then that's the time to do it. And if you have like an, if you program, if this and that, then you know when I'm doing that. So.